So, Lord, just thank you for your word. Uh, yeah, and thank you that you speak to us through your word. So, Lord, we open our ears. We give us the ears to hear what you want to say to us today. And, Lord, we soften our hearts. And will you transform us and form us together through your word so that we might look more like Jesus. Amen. There's not a lot that we know about uh, King Cyrus. He's mentioned in both readings. Well, it's, it's not entirely true. I'm sure there's some historians out there who know a whole lot about King Cyrus, the, uh, the great of Persia. I should have just said, uh, I don't know very much about King Cyrus. Uh, I know he's mentioned in the Bible a few times, but I've never really paid much attention to this guy. Uh, but since he's mentioned uh, in both of our Bible readings and since the theme of this morning is Unexpected Savior. Uh, I didn't choose the Bible readings or the theme, by the way, but uh, you know, I put the two and two together, and uh, I bet this is supposed to be about King Cyrus. You know? <laughs> so I guess I gotta figure out who this guy is and what he did. Um, from our Isaiah reading, it, it almost sounds like God's talking about Jesus here. Uh, it talks about how God is holding the right hand of his anointed who is going to subdue nations, you know, make God known, set his people free. And it says, uh, I have stirred up, stirred him, oh, if I could read, I have stirred him up in righteousness and I will make all his ways level and he shall build my city and set my exiles free. But Isaiah starts off by saying, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. So this name Cyrus just kind of comes out of nowhere in Isaiah. Isaiah has talked about quite a lot of stuff to this point, but he's never really talked about this guy named Cyrus. Well, you know, sometimes I don't hear people's names properly, um, and I might accidentally call them by the wrong name. Maybe Isaiah was just kind of having an off day when God was talking to him. Maybe he was a little distracted. Maybe God said Jesus, but Isaiah thought he said Cyrus. I don't know. It happens to the best of us. But really, I don't think that was the case. I think uh, this really was a, a prophetic message that would have really confused a bunch of people at the time. And I kind of feel sorry for anyone named Cyrus who was around at the time because they probably got bombarded by a bunch of Jewish people. You know, Cyrus, Cyrus, are you the Savior who's going to free us from exile? No, I'm Cyrus the plumber. You know? <laughs> Well, they probably didn't have very many plumbers back in those days, I wouldn't guess, but you, you, you get what I mean. Uh, but this name Cyrus wouldn't have made any sense to the people who Isaiah wrote this letter to. And it, but it starts to make a bit of sense around 150 years later. As in our second reading, in the book of Ezra, he starts it all off by saying, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, Ezra was written about 150 years after Isaiah mentioned his name. And Ezra mentions his name while Israel had been living in exile in Babylon for about 70 years. And Isaiah told Israel that they were going to be sent into exile and that a man named Cyrus would set them free to rebuild Jerusalem. And Cyrus was a Persian. He wasn't Jewish. He was a king with an army going about conquering lands, taking possession of territories. 
Um, he was working on building his empire, like a lot of the other kings did back in those days. Uh, they went in and took possession of Babylon, where Israel had been living in exile. But Cyrus took a different approach than the other kings that ruled over Babylon at that time. Because Nebuchadnezzar, he was the, uh, the previous king from Assyria, who, uh, who actually sent Israel into exile. And, uh, and in the book of Jeremiah, it talks about how God worked through Nebuchadnezzar uh, to, to send his people into exile. But Nebuchadnezzar was more of the type of king that uh, you would envision as an empire-building king. Uh, those he didn't kill, he just fully expected them to adopt their culture, the, the worship their gods, become just kind of second-class Assyrian, Assyrians. And he wanted them to completely lose their Jewish identity. But then here comes King Cyrus. His army defeats the opposing powers, and now he's the new king in town. But Cyrus doesn't rule over Israel like the kings of the past. Cyrus wants the land, yeah. He wants all the wealth and the power for sure. But he isn't too bothered about stripping people from their, of their identity. He wants the Jewish people to be Jewish and to worship as they like. And it seems even highly likely even that he, he's shown some interest in the Jewish faith. And it's probable that someone would have read to him Isaiah 45. Like, can you imagine that? So we have this new king coming in, just conquering another city like he has several before, uh, but only to be greeted by these Jewish people with uh, hope and excitement instead of the usual fear and trembling. And they point out to him how 150 years ago, God told them that you are God's anointed who will subdue nations, loose the belts of kings, rescue his people. I don't know exactly how it played out, but it does seem that Cyrus took this on board and believed that he was the Cyrus that Isaiah spoke about 150 years ago. Because his first, in his very first year, he makes a decree. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the, of the earth and has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. Cyrus believed he was the Cyrus mentioned 150 years before his time. And he allowed all the Jewish people to return home. And he gave them the stuff that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from them. And he also sent them with a bunch of gold and silver to rebuild the temple. I just think it's amazing that the bookends of that exile story have two foreign kings who, that God worked through for the sake of his people. God said, I, I sent you into exile through Nebuchadnezzar, and I sent you home through Cyrus. So what does a story like this mean for us today? Well, for one thing, I think it just shows us the sovereignty of God. He's not afraid to let people go through some hard times because it, you know, it can shape our character and it re renews and restores our faith. A king like Nebuchadnezzar, with all his greedy intentions, actually works out for the good of God's people. Cyrus just thought he was going to take another city and expanding his kingdom that much further. And then he saw, oh, there's a king much greater than I am. I'm going to be on his side. 
So God has authority over all things, regardless of how scary and confusing it may feel in the moment. So God's sovereign, uh, that's the first thing. Then the second thing is God is out there and at work well beyond us. God was already at work with Nebuchadnezzar. He was already orchestrating his plans with Cyrus. Israel had no idea. Nebuchadnezzar had no idea. Cyrus had no idea. But God was at work nevertheless. And he's still the same way. God is at work out there. Well beyond anything that the church is doing. He sent Jesus to restore and reconcile all things to himself through Jesus. And now the church is made up of those who have been reconciled through Jesus. But his mission doesn't stop with us. He's still out there calling people to himself. He's still out there lifting up the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, the needy, the sick, and the poor. He's still going to do all of these things that he he set out to do with or without us. He's out there at work right now. But as the church, he's inviting us to join him in what he's doing through others. And I think that's the great news that that we've been given to share with others. Just as Cyrus had no idea that God was working out his plans through him, God chose him to be a vessel. And there are so many out there that, that God is working through right now to bring about healing and wholeness and restoration And they have no idea. And we've been given the gospel. The great news of Jesus. We've learned about the life and the teachings of Jesus. So who are those people out there that you know, uh, they, they, they don't know Jesus, but they are living their lives a lot like Jesus? You know those people around you who, who seem to have such a deep love and compassion for others? Well, what if that's actually God working out his plans through them? I mean, look at how Cyrus responded to the news that God was working through him. I mean, the gospel is good news that transforms lives, and, and, and we've been given the gospel to share with others. So tell those people that God is working through them. Tell them that God has chosen them to be a gift, a blessing to others. Because who knows? They may wind up just being a Cyrus. I think it's a much more effective and powerful and life-transforming way of proclaiming the gospel. It's when we recognize the Holy Spirit at work in people who have no idea who the Holy Spirit is, proclaim it. It's going to transform lives. So let's pray. So Lord... Thank you that your salvation plan is, is so far beyond our imagination. You have come to reconcile and restore all things. Lord, and just thank you for the way in which you carry out your mission through, uh, through people. Lord, will you give us the eyes to see where you're at work today through people who don't know you? And Lord, will you give us the words to speak and this, the boldness to proclaim it when we see it? Yeah, Lord, will you just help us to be 
better stewards with the gospel that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.